and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, we're coming to you after West Ham decided to try and like win a game of football, which was weird. Um, and we looked like for the split second that we might lose a game of football. It was weird. Um, but ultimately, the Reds do what they do and they win and they find a way to win. And in the end, if we're all being honest with each other, it was fairly comfortable given the last half hour's performance. So to talk about that, I've got Dave Karen in Brazil. Dave, how are you doing? Carnival season? Are you having a lovely time? Are you going out and going to absolutely mangle yourself? Or are you going to take it easy after your last few horrific multiple day hangovers? Yeah, no. I, well, it's tomorrow. Although everything's going on here at the minute. It's ours is tomorrow. Yeah, mangled probably, I would say. Mangled. And I, did you really think we were going to lose last night? Never for one second thought we were going to lose it 2-1. Just saying. Not really. <laughs> Not really. I just thought like, I just thought that when we went 2-1 behind, we hadn't played well. And I just wondered, you know, would how, how long would that continue for? But the fact remains that as soon as we went 2-1 down, we made a substitution and then we just looked like a completely different team. And I don't really think the thought of losing the game had, had time to settle with me. So, I don't know. Good chief out in Berlin as well. Lee Patterson, chief, how are you T- tonight as it was later than normal? Because it was absolute bollocks for the last hour. <laughs> yeah, grand. Absolutely grand. Uh, nice wee chat there, pre pod. Um, bit of excitement uh, in the game, which uh, as we're recording was, was last night. Um, but we, uh, yeah, as you said, quite a well, a big upturn in performance last half hour and could have been 4-2 in the end. Uh, obviously, having a, a goal disallowed, rightly so, but um, still would have been nice. But 3-2 will do and it's 22 points clear again. And um, yeah, I kind of agree with both of you. It was just, you know, we weren't playing well, but um, at no time did I really believe we would lose. And um, as soon as we got 2-2, it was clear we'd get 3-2. So be interesting to talk about this a bit because obviously we weren't at our, our flow and best and we touch on Atletico and stuff as well. But um, yeah, we march on towards this Premier League title. Yeah, so listen, we'll pick a bones out of this. I think there's loads to talk about. I think it was really significant the way we went 2-1 down. That, that, as I said, the switch just seemed to be flicked and all of a sudden we were like that that 15-minute spell against Man United when we just looked like the most the biggest kid in the playground against the tiniest kid in the playground. And Chamberlain was introduced and made almost, well, not almost, made an immediate impact. Just intensity, directness, great decision-making, great energy, just energy, energy, energy. And I don't know, Chief, I think we seemed we seemed to lack that before he was introduced. It's difficult for me to say whether it was because we went behind or whether because he was introduced. Generally, when it comes to these things, I tend just the air on the fence and say it's probably a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. And more often, but column B, more often than not, it is. But, you know, there was a stark contrast in performance from that substitution was made. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It's always difficult when sort of things, circumstances kind of converge. And that's that's a bit a bit what happened, you know. Um, you, Liverpool don't often fall behind. Obviously, um, last couple of games we fallen behind in both of them. We fell into Atletico's trap in Spain, and we couldn't we couldn't climb out of it. And 
last night against uh, West Ham on the Monday night, it looked, it, to be honest, it looked different because we started really well. Um, we took a deserved lead early on and it looked it looked like it was going to be a procession. You know, I was thinking of how many is it going to be? I really was. I, I was expecting four or five, particularly when we scored after whatever it was, five minutes, six minutes, something like that. It, it didn't transpire. It wasn't a B. Yeah, you asked me about, about Ox coming on and obviously um, that did change the game in the sense of he he was very direct. We know he loves to run at defences and he did just that. Uh, he was probably working on instruction. Um, probably a little bit of, of uh, wanting to grab his chance as well, having been uh, overlooked for, for Kaida from the start. Kaida didn't have his best game, but then the midfield in general was a little bit flat. I think Fabinho still isn't anywhere near back to being in his you know, at his best at 100% in fully match fit and, and fully in the flow. Um, you compare his performances over the last few weeks to his, the performances he was putting in before the injury, and it's night and day, really. Um, I mean, he's he's not stinging the place out or anything because his standard is, is so high, but um, he's, he's, he's way off. Obviously, we score that goal early. Uh, Trent has... Uh, Trent has a great game. He gets two assists, could have had three, but for the disallowed goal, um, it's a brilliant cross. It's a good header from Genie, and it's poor goalkeeping from Fabianski, and we go 1-0, and like I said, I thought it would be the beginning of a, of a procession. But what what West Ham did is um, they scored, which is something that other teams... It might sound stupid, and I don't mean to sound glib here or anything, but it's something that other teams haven't been doing. In the Premier League, that was the first first goal we'd conceded in, what was it, eight games, nine games, something like that in, in the league. Other teams haven't, and it's not like teams haven't been having chances, because they have. I mean, you you and I and all of us here can think of big chances that the opposition have missed, either either through poor finishing or through great goalkeeping or whatever. But uh, those chances haven't been hit in the back of the net, and this one did. And, you know, goals change games. Again, sounds obvious, but it, it, it wasn't in the script for us. You could see our players had to had to adapt, had to try and deal with it, and we're a bit slow then. You're looking for a bit more creativity then. Suddenly from the midfield, you can't just sort of coast at one nil and you know try and get another one before half time like we often do. So you, you you're in a bit of a fight, and then West Ham were were buoyed by that. They played better than they have done in a long time. They were making their passes. They were you know really stringing moves together and, and, and play them well for them. I mean, they didn't play fantastically, but they played much better than they have been. And the biggest thing for them was they scored their chances. I think they scored with the first two shots on target. And that changes things. You can see two goals. You're in a you're in a fight. But, you know, we found a way and we won 3-2. And, yeah, when Oxley chamberlain came on, it was the right sub because he had the desired effect. He added... He added energy, he added impetus, he added a directness that we hadn't seen. Um, and it coincided with, you know, the switch being flicked for us, as in upping the ante at 2-1 down with half an hour to go. Um, for me, man of the match was was Trent anyway. I think he, he ran the show again from right back. And, um, yeah, uh, again, we did enough. So, so, yeah, the midfield was a little bit flat, but I think... It, was one of those games where another team 
or this team, Liverpool, five five years ago, four years ago, on a night like that, we would have lost. Uh, everything going for the opposition, them putting playing out of their skins, um, scoring with their first two shots on target, uh, being 2-1 up, crowd beginning to get a little bit antsy um, for the first time in a long time. We we could have folded and we would have folded uh, in years gone by, but not anymore. And, you know, like we, we all mentioned, I think, in the, in the build-up, none of us really, even a 2-1 down, none of us were really in any way worried. No, I, no. Like I said, I don't really think I had time to get worried because of the sheer increase in performance levels right after the goal. Dave, you know, we looked passive, I would say. And there's a school of thought out there maybe that um, we're a free hit now. You know, we're a free hit. Nobody expects anything. You know, if you come away with a 4-0 defeat against Liverpool, there's, no, there's not even any shame in that anymore. You know, why why, why wouldn't West Ham and why wouldn't other teams just come and have a go? Why wouldn't they just come and have a go? We saw Norwich come and have a go as well. You know, and why wouldn't they? Because nobody expects anything. And if they're writing down, you know, where they expect to get points between now and the end of the season, they're not putting any numbers beside Liverpool fixtures, you know? So they came and, and they they had us, they, you know, they grew a set and they went and tried to win the game of football, which was mad. What you've mentioned before, you know, pre-pod, is that maybe is there a little bit of complacency there? And, you know, we were a little bit passive and, and you know, I don't think we made it anywhere near as difficult for West Ham as we should have, which I think was typified in the second goal that we conceded, where there was nowhere near enough intensity in the press. There was nowhere near enough closing of the space and awareness of what was going on around. And there's num- probably a number of reasons behind that. But in my opinion, I think we, we miss Henderson's voice in there. I think we've we've issues with players, you know, being rusty and and Naby and 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 Fabinho certainly. Do you feel that this is potentially a mentality thing based on what the Premier League looks like? I'm not so sure about that, Dave. You know, I, I subscribe to your free hit. I do. I think teams at this stage of the season especially are coming with the thought of, well, if we got a point there even, it would be great. But the fact it was David Moyes coming who can't take a point at Anfield from no matter who he comes with, um, you know, I, I, I respect what they did. But, you know, Neil mentioned, and, and yourself have mentioned about the Ox substitution, you're, you're missing West Ham substitutions in there as well, Dave, because they played a major impact in that because he went, he got his lead and, and he decided to, to, to or he tried to shut up shop and hold on to what he had or maybe hold it, you know, if they concede again, get the draw, which sort of took a little bit of the spike out of them. Then you added Ox in, which added the spike to us. And I think that that caused the difference. I think it, I don't think it was just Ox. He was brilliant. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no complaint. This isn't a rant. It's just... There, there no, a, it's a fair point. It's a secondary factor they, to it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, you could be right. They they didn't have time. We started the second half so quickly, they didn't have time to set themselves after the substitutions. And there yeah. might have been an element of there that, that some of the players who were introduced and maybe if there was a change in shape didn't quite know what they were doing and we were able to exploit that. Absolutely. And then, you've got, you've got, Dave, I said it before in this pod, when we started to get to the point a couple of months ago where we were looking at this going, Fuck, we could run away with this league. You know what I mean? And I said to you at the time, and then we were talking about, you know, can we go unbeaten? And I said the danger for unbeaten is getting towards the finish line. Here we are, four games to go. 
You know, it's it, this is the first time this team's crossed the line in the Premier League. You know, they won the European Cup, whatever, but that's different. And we've seen it with so many teams over the years in Premier League history, in, in League, League One, in English football history, that stumbling close to the line is common. And I think this is as near as a stumble as you're going to see from this team. Uh, I, I, I really do. Neil touched on Atletico. And, you know, we lost there. We were flat. We didn't look at it. You know, they Atletico were excellent at what they did. They threw a drift net across. They caught everything in that drift net. And they, they, they frustrated the shit out of us. It's very rarely that we see that two games in a row. And we started that game, as you say, first 10 minutes was great. And then we just seemed to... And maybe it is a complacency there. You know, like... like Again, I'm not criticising anybody here, but maybe it's just we got that one goal and we're so used to just then backing off, controlling that, that game. And as you say, their first two shots were on target and they were both goals. And that's that's not that's not the usual. It's not the norm. So we found ourselves in the opposite. We had to dig deep. But the overriding thing that I take away from this game is whether it was their blip or whether it was this or what, we won it. And we we overcame it. If that's the blip, we still overcame it, which is which is awesome. Um, and it might be the kick in the backside, the the wake up call that we just need just at at the, at the very moment of time that we needed it, because it's you know while the league is coming to an end, the sharp end of the Champions League starting, we find ourselves behind in that, and we're fighting on three fronts here. And three fronts that we're well capable of, well, of one-on-one front. We're well capable of lifting the Champions League. We're well capable of lifting the FA Cup if we want to. And we're in a position now that we can actually look at those and, and the realistic expectations. So to see something like this, you know, it wasn't, it didn't fill me with joy. We came away, great win. You know, we reacted. We did what we needed to do, as we always do. But the overriding thing is, for me, I think it's the it's a wake up call. It'll it'll serve as a wake up call. We may look back at this game as the wake up call that that propelled us to then the further success. Yeah, you could be right, and it, we don't normally see that with any game. You know, I thought we might see a reaction after Atletico because it was a defeat, but at the same time, you're coming away from there and you're thinking. Well, we went to Barcelona last year and we lost three 0 and we still got and, and it's a very long hangover. After a break as well, Dave. We don't. We take, we have hangovers, but not for this long. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I still think the break has an impact. I do. I think we rely on rhythm more than more than most sides. But um, I want look. Let's do Naby because we're going to have to do him at some point. And I think let's try and have. Uh. Like, I know, I know, I know, right? So, but let's try and have like um, an objective conversation about Kaida's performance and Kaida's you know, involvement in the game and, you know, where we go from here with him. Because it's clear that we all love him. There's no 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 criticism here, I think, Dave. No, no, not at all. And I think I think I think I think this is as much an issue with Kaida amongst fans as, as anything else. He has he, I think he's starting to become a real um the the next Emre Tan, the next Jordan Henderson, whatever it is, where there he's gonna split the fan base you know, into into a very hard yes or a very hard no. And we've seen it before with players, as I've just mentioned, but we're, I've seen people defending his performance based on, you know, stats and, you know, key passes and interceptions and blah, blah, blah. Um, and we all know that, we all know that the guy historically has, has blown up every stat going. And that was one of the main reasons that we signed him. He is the, the archetypal money ball signing based on data, you know, 
He has all of the data. He delivers on all of the data. He makes up records for all of the data. Last night, I don't think he was awful, you know, where a lot of people were saying he was awful. Other people were saying he was the best player on the pitch, which, again, I think both of those statements are bizarre. And my concern is that we start to treat him in this manner, that it's either a hard yes or a hard no. Last night, I thought, was something very much in between. I thought you saw little flashes of what he can do, the little link-up um, that it resulted in the first goal, the little quick one-two around the box was excellent. Um, but some of his passing was awry. Some people will tell me it's a 90% pass rate, but it's all right the pass finding its man, but it needs to be in his feet. It needs to be quick in his feet. It needs to be you know, driven. The pass needs to almost tell the player what to do next. And I don't think he quite had that. I think he lacked intensity. I think he was passive in his his, his tackling. Um, he was amongst many in that, Dave, and especially he for was, He was. And the thing, this is the thing. I don't think he, he he doesn't need to divide opinion in the same way that a Jordan Henderson or an Emery Chan has it, divided opinion. No, none of these players think, ever did need to do that, though, Neil. But in any yeah, but I, I think the happen. difference, the key difference is, and why he hasn't so far is because we're successful at the moment. So we needed we needed Jordan Henderson. The spotlight's not on him, is what you're saying. Yeah, Neil, in the people same want way. people needed and wanted Henderson and Chan to be brilliant or to be terrible because either people really wanted to believe that things were going to get better and were going well, or people wanted to believe that you know things were really bad and really needed to change. And these players became you know symbols rather than than you know it being actually based on on performance. But everyone's happy with the current state of play and the current flow of, of traffic, essentially. Everything is going in the right direction. So Kaida has the time. The, the, what all we need from him is consistent fitness. And that is the, the thing that the one thing that he hasn't had at any point since he's arrived. Um, he keeps he keeps coming into the team, getting. Is 70 that because the physicality of the Premier League is too much for him? Because that's a question that's out there, and I don't believe that it is. I don't think it it is. What I would say it's probably due to the constant the constant um, the lack of a break. Basically, he's constantly been playing or injured, either um, for club or for country, but at pretty much every point over the last couple of years, there's no real break there. He, he went off with Guinea and played in the African Cup of Nations whenever he wasn't fit. He got injured again or exacerbated the injury. Came back, played for us at the start of the season, really was getting into a rhythm. We were waxing lyrical about him. Uh, we were saying, oh, it looks like he's probably fit, properly fit now. He's had seven starts in a row or whatever, and bam, next game injured. Out for a good while, and he's, he's only now trying to re-establish his place in the team after that most recent injury layoff. So he comes up, he, he starts a game for the first time in a while, doesn't have a great 60 minutes, but gets the hook. So we'll see what happens. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start against Watford. Not, not really. I, I, I don't know what the midfield would actually be. It would be harsh on, on Oxlade Chamberlain to lose out. You might see their positions reversed. You might see uh, Chamberlain start and, and Naby be um, on the bench. Um, yeah, have- I think I think see there's one thing here I noticed, and I think this this impacted Naby's performance. I think he struggled on the right hand side because 
the protection that Mane gives him and supports him with wasn't there with Salah. And there was at one point in the second half, not long before he went off, where he was kind of, he didn't know which player to take. He was kind of pointing. He, he was stuck. He caught, almost caught in between two stools. And he didn't know which player to press. And he was pointing, go, why is there no one coming back and giving me a hand here? And I think that, you know, and what's the word? That brought in decision to his game. I don't know whether that was a factor or not, but you don't really see him playing on the right-hand side. And I think... No, he tends to play... He tends to have been been played from the left in general, yeah. hasn't he? And yeah. him now, and Mane have a really good understanding when they... When he when he plays from there, David, I think I think Trent needs to come into that argument as well because I think Robertson gives a little bit more protection defensively as well, and maybe Trent would. And, and I you think, know, so yeah. You, so you're if you look at it and say, look, Manny and and Robertson afford him that little bit more protection uh, uh, as opposed to Salah and Trent, who are just all attack. And they play closer, and they play closer with him as well. So. You know, yeah, it's triangles. much more of a, it's yeah, it's much more of a three on the left. Yeah, the triangles side. work really, really well, and we use it to those three to really good effect when they're on the pitch together in yeah, in those I, positions. Yeah, I think we underestimate how different those two midfield eight positions are, right and left. We tend to view them as just it's the eight. We've got two eights and they both play eight, but actually. They're very, very different. They're very different positions with very different responsibilities. And I almost think, and I would suggest that the right-hand side of midfield is far more difficult to play than the left-hand side of midfield. And we know I would call it a different top. dynamic, Dave. I don't think they're a different position. It's just a different dynamic is required yeah, whenever you... Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, It's not a different position, but there are different requirements for each side. Very different requirements for each side. You've got to be up and down on the right-hand side. You've got to cover that ground. You've got to be a winger. You've got to be a right-back. You've got to be an inside midfielder. You know, whereas you see Wijnaldum, and Wijnaldum sometimes you think drifts in and out of games, but he's just kind of in between those two, kind of linking things up and knitting things together. 100%. 100%. They are, and they are very, they are very different... um responsibilities I would say involved in those in those two positions um the the nuances of them are 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 there really to to see when you see somebody well when you see the situation that we did um Naby who's who's not used to really playing on the right having having to do so but anyway it didn't really work for him having said that when Chamberlain came on it did work for him that position and more so than it has done uh, over the last month or so, when he's been playing from the left, <laughs> from yeah, well, the, but yeah, that is it though, because Salah's position, he, he's often the highest player in the team, and that affords the space in the right hand side and the right hand side for Chamberlain or Henderson. It's generally one of two to exploit that space and make those runs, and 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 whoever it is in Trenty to link higher up that pitch because Salah creates that space with his movement. Whereas it's all a little bit more congested on the left-hand side and probably why Naby's skill set's more suited to there because he is a bit more Wijnaldum. But he doesn't have that energy in those legs to get up and cover that ground and make that space. And, and no, he's much, more, he's much more of a link man. He's much more of a string puller. like 100%. Whereas I think the right-hand side, you really do need that physicality. Yeah, you need the athleticism, really. 
and that's one thing that he doesn't he doesn't particularly have. I mean, he's strong, but he's not. I wouldn't necessarily say he's 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 he's, he's not going to do somebody over ten yards. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing about him, what we need is is just is coming back to it. it's just fitness. Just get him get him fit. Get him so that he's he can go three, four, five months where he's fit and available. And then we'll see the best of him. But he doesn't need to be divisive because he he's not our best player. We don't rely on him. We have Neil, our, he's on a five year contract. He's yeah, plenty of time yet. We're not going to sell him. He's you know except the fact he's he's going to be staying around. There's a player in there, a very good player in there to come out. He's exactly. been dreadfully unlucky with injuries. I don't think any one of us is saying oh he shouldn't play or he should be sold. I don't think it'd be prudent to sell him. I think that he, I think that he comes good, and I think that he's in a very very golden situation that many of the players that came before him would died to have been in at Liverpool where he has the, the, the luxury of time. Absolutely. And he's got, at the moment, Touchwood, he's got plenty of it because, you know, while we while we debate, oh, was he good enough? Did he play well? How's he, you know, how's he coming on? It's, it's very much a case of a nice problem to have and not really an issue. Because yeah, we likened them to Daniel Sturridge pre-pod, and it is a good comparison. Yeah, well, I no, mean, not, not necessarily not so think, much because at that time we, we relied but, but, on but, you know, and, Yeah, okay. I but, but, but I think what I said in pre-pod was that that's what we don't want to happen. We don't want him to be an integral part of the side. And we, that's it. And he, he can't actually... He can, unless he can deliver on that availability and that fitness... Yeah, because what and, we have is with a situation now where essentially you're essentially your your midfield three, your 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 Champions League final midfield three or whatever it is, is is, is Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Fabinho. Now Wijnaldum will probably be the first to go based on age, maybe and contract, etc., etc. And that's fine because Navi seems to be like his understudy at the moment. But as soon as Navi is not an understudy, that is potentially when his fitness becomes a serious issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just think I just think that he can't it can't develop into a situation like Sturridge did because he started off with the injuries, so he he hasn't had a chance to become an integral part of the team. So at some point, when we actually manage to get him properly fit and injury free, like I said, for for a season, say, you know, that would be that would be amazing if we could do that. Then you'll really see what what kind of a player we've got and what we're going to do with him. But at that point, as Dave says, he'll have he'll have come good. Um, but it's this constant cycle of of being fit for five, six, seven games, then getting an injury that keeps him out for the next five, six, seven, then trying to play his way back in. By the time he's getting into rhythm, he gets injured again. It does. It's not helping anyone. If he needs to. If he needs, Whatever it whatever it takes, we need to get him fit. And if we can't get him fit, then you know. If this is to be Naby Keita's Liverpool story, uh, one of of fucking tragic injury and injury proneness, you know, it'll not be for the lack of trying for us. And you know, it's very very hard to fault him. Um, you know, any you know, you said pre-pod, he comes in, he get finds his feet, he starts scoring goals. Game seven, bump. The evidence is very, very, very clear for anybody who knows about football to see that this is a player. 
You know what I mean? And maybe it doesn't work out from. But what I don't mean to sound like a bastard here. But if it doesn't work out from at least, you know, it's not an integral part of the squad, and it's not hurting. It's not hurting our progress in any way, and that sounds very heartless. And but that's that's being a football fan. You have to be greedy for your team. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you'd you'd feel bad for him, but you you know you'd hope he could move on and 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 get his fitness back somewhere else or whatever, maybe in a less intensity. Although personally, I don't think it is about the intensity. I just think that he got injured and maybe it just wasn't managed. As best well, they, they be. love to throw, but they love to throw that line in. Neil, you know the intensity they can't cope with it. Can't cope with it. You, you know, it's just like the Premier League's something way above well, everything else. Guys, it's not well. Intensity of the league is one thing. Intensity of playing in a Jurgen Klopp team is something totally different as well. Yeah, there is that. There is that. But he was playing at at you know Red Bull Leipzig. Um, yeah, it wasn't a, dis- a dissimilar and he had sort come of from, physical style. Salzburg as well, so he he he, w- he was playing in the high press side, but but yeah, I mean, I, I I just think it's a combination of factors, like you say, Dave Dunning as as usual. It's a bit from column A and column B. It's like it's it's being rushed back by the international side. It's maybe stepping up in 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 intensity in inverted commas. It's maybe moving. To a club that you're, where you're constantly in the limelight, um, it's maybe been a bit of bad luck or, or taking a bit longer for them settling in than you would have liked and whatever. But as Dave Caron says, there's more than a player in there, and you know you've seen it every game five of every Renaissance from him. You know every every four eight game five and six. Don't forget game six. six. He's, he's class. You know, so let's hope we can get game game eight, nine, and ten out of him, and um, you know, then we'll see him progress. But yeah, he he just doesn't need to become a divisive figure because he's not. It's not hurting us because we've never really had him. Yeah, you're you're pro- you're right. You're right in what you say. The, just the the concern that I have is that you know, if if history tells us anything, it's that we don't learn from it. Uh, and, and this has happened with so many players over the years and I get you're saying there's different circumstances here but as I say it's a lot of if Steve is what just, you're saying it's a need, lot of it. we don't need to be fighting at the minute that's the thing no we absolutely not absolutely not you're 100% right the other the other again the historical situation we need to look at is there's there's players who have come to Liverpool and you know and we can we can we can run through all of them, you know, Harry Kuehl, you know, Lalana, Lovren. Um, there's there's these boys that have come in storage and fitness defines their Liverpool careers. And it is now getting to a stage, almost two full seasons in the Navi Kaida's career, where fitness is defining this Liverpool career and availability is defining this Liverpool career. And the the dream, and I'm sure the long-term plan. Was your midfield three is is Chamberlain, Kaida, and Fabinho, and I think that's you know that's that's what you're looking at in in three years' time. Fingers crossed. Um, but at this point in time, we really need to see that consistency in Kaida's availability very very soon before the season needs to be made. Like I'm talking about last season, Dave, we need to see it really really soon, you know? Last season's early. I think I'm I'm talking like within the next nine months, we need to see it 
by yeah, the it Christmas. needs it needs to basically start now. We need to we need to keep him fit now from now essentially until Christmas and see where we are. And if we can do that before he has to have any kind of real injury layoff, obviously, you know, he's not going to play every game or whatever. No, no, no player would expect to. But as long as he's available for selection for say from now until Christmas. You'd be that would be a big enough sample size, and you'd, you know you'd very much know, and that would be consistency of availability and so on. But you're absolutely right; he hasn't shown it at any stage yet in his in his Liverpool career, and it has been two seasons. So you do begin to worry, but you know this Liverpool team at the you moment, can look at Jordan Henderson; he, he yeah, finally set the world on fire for the, for the first three much, years, and look at him now. It's very much about redemption. And it's about the long game as well. Jordan Henderson's a great example. A couple of years ago, three, three, four seasons ago, whenever he, he, he was out for basically a season and a half injured and people saying, you know, he really needs to go. He's, you know, 100, 100% fit Henderson is great, but 70 or 80% Henderson is, is not good enough. And, you know, we need to move him on and so on. And, you know, very, became very, very divisive because we weren't, we were not performing and, you know, to some he represented how far the club had fallen, whatever. Now I look at him playing the best football probably of his Liverpool career. In fact, definitely playing the best, the most consistent football of, of his Liverpool career, lifting trophy after trophy after trophy. And you know, in the conversation and more to for, come. for in the conversation <laughs> yeah, for player much. of the year. Yeah, if not even the bookie's favourite. Uh, he is the bookie's favourite. Yep. So um so yeah, we're very much about the long game. We're that kind of a club. We, you know, we're we're not going to run out on Naby Keita, that's for sure. But we, we just hope that he um, can get the fitness. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's David Trent. Trent has a, a great game. We know he's got these games games in him because essentially, you know, we've said it before, we'll say it again, and and he's our playmaker, but. We didn't really get a chance to talk about the the Atletico game. Um, and I guess or he was awful. Know, <laughs> yeah, he was. And therein lies my point that we, I think, personally, we rely on him delivering from that position. I think he has a massive influence on how well... I think his performance levels have a massive influence on how well the team plays. And I think his individual performance on sorry in Madrid had a huge impact on on the result to be perfectly honest with you I think he has become that that important I, I don't look he had a poor game against Atletico but when you consider how Atletico had set up once they scored Dave you know his ability to get forward was stunted by those walls, those walls of players, basically. So it wasn't so much that Trent had a bad game. There was nowhere for Trent to go. There was nowhere Trent for Salah to go. Did have a bad game? I think. I think the opportunities that he had to deliver his delivery. He didn't. Was poor. Uh, yes, and that's his, fair. His Absolutely. Pa- his, his passing was poor, and I think if you, you know, it, it was getting to the point where it was almost just let him have it, you know, because he, he fucking, you know, he couldn't hit a bar door with a banjo tonight. Um, and you saw a completely opposite Trent Alexander-Arnold against West Ham. Is set, or, and I'll tell you something else as well. Our set-piece delivery against Atletico was brutal as well. 
Whereas against West Ham, you saw completely the opposite. The cross for the first I goal. I think you're being very unkind and athleticals there. They were fucking drilled defensive. Dave, they Dave. were. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's a side of the game that I advocate and I love. And I'll tell you what, I hated I hated us losing to that, but I admire it. Yeah, I, Dave, I, I don't disagree with you. And I'm not for one minute saying that he was the determining factor between the result. Um, absolutely not. I think Atletico... But they certainly he, stunted him to the degree that it blunted us. Um. Yeah. But like I say, I think I think his performance on the night was as much to do with that as it was was them. Um, you know that that cross for the first goal against West Ham. He's never get that cross in. He's practically facing in the other direction. He almost spins in the ball as he as he as he strikes it. Um, and it's an unbelievable delivery. A set piece delivery is on the money every single time. You know. He didn't see his interview with Gary Neville after the game, Dave. No. No. They were Neville was asking him about um, you know converting from the midfield um, to a right back, and whether it was you know more difficult for him. And, and Trent was like, no, it's it's completely easy because you're playing you know you're playing against a white line, so you've only one side to, to be aware of. So your awareness is only one side. He, he basically said, oh, I'd much rather be a fullback. You know, I'd much rather be this fullback version than than a midfielder because you know his his awareness. He can he can drive and he can think. He doesn't have to, he he doesn't have to think as much. You know, he doesn't need. I think his, his words were, "His head doesn't need to be on a swivel, um, yeah. at right back where it, it needs to be on a swivel in in the midfield." And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, it's true. Is um, certainly his responsibility is limited because it is just that side he's dealing with, and what he can do from that deeper position is get the whole pitch in front of him. He can see the whole pitch. He's not a lot of the time. He's not even having to look over his shoulder. You know, um, I just I just feel. I feel that the way we have started to use him, um, I think that personally, I think, yes, as good as the Zedico were and what they did, I think his performance inhibited our performance because I think that he has become more influential than probably, you know, even, even Firmino. Oh, without it, I think he's. I, I, I would go as far as saying like he's. He is our most creative player, Dave. So well, he statistically he is, and yeah. statistically he is our most creative player. You know, and, and and let's face it, as a fan, when he has the ball, you're always he, he always has your attention because you know that when, like it was a shot that he they hit there last night uh, deserved a goal. Um, you know, and he's even got that in his locker. He has everything. The thing about it is, you know, he's playing at right back and we have an illusion in our head growing up, the age of us, what right back looks like. This kid's reinvented it, uh, along with Robinson, our Robertson on the other side. Why do I keep holding him fucking Robinson? Dickhead. Um, but anyway, um, you know, the, the, they have, they've sort of brought the fullback role into uh, a different mode entirely. And, you know, when do we ever get excited by fullbacks? Like historically, fucking never. But this this pair, absolutely. You know, don't get me wrong with Roberto Carlos with Cafu, some great Brazilian ones. But you know, generally speaking, we 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 talk about strikers, we talk about wingers, we talk about you know driving midfielders, things like that. But this kid is, you know, he he's doing something special, and and it's a joy to watch. And like the age of him, you know, we're sitting here berating a kid. You know, he didn't have a very good game, blah, blah, blah. Think of the age of him. 
and what's to come, Dave. You, you know what I mean? It's we'll, we'll give them the odd game, absolutely. In my opinion, absolutely no problem. I give them all. You know, like you mentioned, Fabinho. For me, he's just struggling to get back to to tip, 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 top after the injury. And I think Manny's still a little jaded. You know what I mean? Just getting himself back in after missing a couple of games. Uh, and as you talked about, continuity and rhythm is is so important to that group. And you know, look, Trent, he's irreplaceable. And you know, you talk about the the the, the unthinkable if, if if he was injured, and or when he's rested and maybe plays Milner there, you realise just how ineffective we become without him. So he is, in my opinion, if not the one of the one of the most key players of that squad. Yeah, it's. I don't know what we do if he's not there. To be perfectly honest with you, it's <laughs> it's one of them. Like I mean. Well, there's Nico would, Williams would, coming behind who looks a promising a, a, a promising prospect, but yeah, maybe too would, soon. But he, he is of the mold. Until, until he wasn't there, he would just find a way to adapt. You just you'd have to vary the play. I mean, it's like it's like this: the year City won the the league with a hundred points. Kevin De Bruyne absolutely ripped it up. Um, but last season, when they beat us by one point, he was injured for half the season. They still found found ways to. To win, they they utilize different methods, and we would have to do the same. There's no doubt, Trent's our most creative player. The stats show it by a mile, and you, you can see it yourself. He almost had a hat trick of assists again last night, and he's at the you know our fullbacks are at the core of of most of our goals. Certainly, a large percentage of them. Like, um, it is our most. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's why our midfield is is a bit more functional, a bit more athletic, a bit more. Robust, not to damn them with fame praise because they're all excellent, excellent players, but a bit less creative and can get away with that because, you know, our fullbacks are a creative force. And we've talked about it before. It's very, very difficult to, to combat that like for like because you can't have fullbacks that are equally as creative and, um, and as good on the bench, just sitting there, um, hope, uh, you know, hoping that these lads get injured and, you know, Klopp's not the type of manager to constantly be rotating between four basically first choice left backs. So, and how are you going to get? I mean, these two are head and shoulders the best two. I mean, you look down the league and you maybe look at potentially Leicester's fullbacks as as, as being the next best two, and and they're they're decent, but they're. Not a, nobody, nobody's close to Trent and Andy Robertson. It's, it's redefined, Neil, is what you're saying. They've redefined the role. Well, Trent is redefining it because he's he's just better than any right back you'll you'll ever see. He's got more than most right backs do. He's got more than most wingers do. He's got more more than a lot of central midfielders do. You know what I mean? He's got he's got he's got the lot. He's got the lot. As in other words, you could pop right? him in anywhere. You, you could, pop him in and anywhere. And he's only 21, you know, and he, he's going to get better. And you can see that he's got absolutely the right mentality, but he's also got absolutely the right physicality. Um, he doesn't touch wood. He doesn't get injured. Um, yeah, it brings us back to that. It brings us back to that. The, the discussion we were having earlier on is a player can only be as important to a team as, as his availability allows him to be. Absolutely. And, and Trent has, if you think of Trent's rise, to where he is now, from when he got in, it's meteoric. Yeah, and it, what it also has done, it's come on the back of another player's injury. Yep. 
It was Klein, wasn't it? Was it? It, was Klein. Klein. it was Klein, who is still out. Um, sorry, who was out and was back. And then I think, do you remember he just played against United or something random last year? And, and God, and God. Yeah, yeah, and for one game. Yeah, and, and then he got out again. Bournemouth. Yeah, and now he's back again. But, you but know, then he got injured in pre-season, didn't he? Crucial. Exactly. Yeah. I think you he's know, back at the minute. I think he's fully fit at the minute. I think he started training, yeah. But I get, but my, point, my point there being is that that opportunity was given to Trent because of his availability and Klein's unavailability and that trend continued where Klein has been constantly injured since then and is basically not a Liverpool player anymore in anything yeah. but name and what you have then based on that is because Trent's availability has allowed him to build essentially a career and you, as you said see meteorically um, it's his fitness and his robustness and his availability that has allowed him to do that Absolutely, absolutely. And you look, you look at the very best players, certainly of this generation, but even of of any generation, really. They're the ones that that are lucky. That they're the ones that don't get injured. They're the ones that bodies whose bodies can take it. They're the Maradonas. They're the Suarezes. You know, they're the going the way Messi's, back. The Messi's, the Ronaldo's, the, Messi's, you know, the Pele's, the Ronaldo's. You know, they're the very, very best. And you know, at the moment, like the shearers, these these boys who were just always, always, always fit. Always the there, the fit, Salas, the Manes now, you know, the lads that just want to play and play and play and play. Well, and it's funny. It's funny as well because when he was plucked pluck from the academy, it was Ryan Kent who was tipped to be the star. And, uh, you know, whilst Trent was a very, very good player and was, you know, was on the fast track to, to be included in the, in the main team. And the, the other one was, the other one was Woodburn. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the thing about Trent is he's been able to adapt. He's been, he's been able to adapt. It's so, you know, he, he grabbed his opportunity with both hands and he's never taken a, a backward yeah, step. Yeah. But he since. wasn't, a, he wasn't a right back. He was a midfielder coming through, but he was able to become a right back. They saw the potential in him as right back, and there was a gap in the squad at right back, a huge gap, a huge problem because we had Klein. And if you think, if you remember, that it's it's night and day, it's chalk and cheese, fucking Klein and and. Do you remember that Klein? There's another one that divided opinions right down the middle. Well, they play they play the position in exactly the opposite way. Klein yeah, is totally. very much the defensive right back who gets a nosebleed. In opposition territory and never does he's anything. He's won Basaka. <laughs> well, he's worse. Like, yeah, but he's worse. And the thing was, we signed him, and a lot of our eyes was based on the strength of he came to Anfield and made this run into the 18 yard box and banged one into the top corner. And we thought, yeah. oh, look, that's the player we're getting. Well, it fucking wasn't. No, because he only ever did it once, like, or something. Like, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't prolific. And of course, he was also the type of player who. Although he was decent for us, he was much more at his level in Southampton and therefore played played better because he felt more comfortable. But completely different. Whereas Klein was the defensive one, Trent is very much yeah redefining the role of of a right back. You know, he's becoming the chief assist maker. You know, season after season. But when you go back to sitting there like Gomez and, and Van Dijk at the minute, and then you've got a Fabinho sitting in front of them. 
you know, and Allison uh, behind that. Yeah, yeah, there's a kind of free license because those two, those two centre backs with the pace, like Gomez, he had a ropey fucking first half, but overall Gomez has been fucking brilliant since he had a game. I am so impressed with Joe Gomez and the pace, and just he, he he's starting to just read the game so well. He's improved. I think this season, I don't know if you guys agree with. It, I I think he's really really improved game on game. Well, he's another one who's grabbed his chance again because of injury. But he's gone, right, fuck this. I was first choice at the beginning of the last season. Uh, people were talking about me being as good as Virgil. And, you know, now I'm third choice. Fuck it, I, I better take this chance. And he's and he's he's not looked back. Listen, lads, I think what we'll do is we'll want to we'll we'll talk about transfers here. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll cut this pod into two different ones and... Uh, We'll, we'll we'll discuss the transfers um, in another pod. So listen, we'll we'll, we'll leave it there. Hopefully, you'll listen to the to, to the next part, uh, which is rather interesting on, on transfers and what we believe will happen in the summer and so on. So just one last thanks to the listener, one last thanks to the guys, and we will see you in the next pod. Bye.